You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! All what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. That one just for you, Fabrizio. I'm enjoying. I'm joined by my House of Champions co-host, James Bench. Jonathan Johnson will be joining us a little bit later on in the show. Plus, we have the hardest working and about to be the craziest, most busiest, and probably still the sexiest man on the internet, Fabrizio Romano. Fab, how are you doing? Yeah, my friend. All good, all good. Sexiest is very difficult, especially in the summer for me, but we try our best. And focus on the news. That's the point. Thank you. I thought you were going to say uh, in the presence of James Benj when it comes to the sex. <laughs> James, James, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Tar. Uh, Fab, I'm sure you're the same. I've spent a lot more time this week talking about Saudi and thinking about Saudi Arabian football yeah. than I did yeah. two years ago. But, uh, and I feel yeah. this is just the beginning, yeah? I know, oh, we're yeah. going to be moving to Jeddah next year. Yeah, yeah. many people say strap on the seatbelts because uh, I think we could be watching and spending a lot of time with what's happening over in Saudi Arabia. To everybody out there, thank you so much for joining us. Please make sure you drop in your questions and we'll try to get as many as we possibly can to James, John and of course Fabrizio uh, before we let him go. Let's begin, of course, with the latest on the one and only Karim Benzema. Let's discuss the deal, Fabrizio been following you very closely obviously all of us who love the beautiful game love a beautiful player Karim Benzema such a historic player in the Champions League especially with Real Madrid with what he's done since he arrived there sensational but this mega offer that has come across his table what is the offer explain it all in detail and where are we at right now with the deal it's very advanced, honestly. It's very advanced between Karim Benzema and uh, Ali Tiad. Uh, the conversation is very advanced in terms of contract for Karim Benzema and Ali Tiad. So I think this is not even a negotiation now. Uh, Karim Benzema knows that Ali Tiad did their best to, to convince him. The proposal, from what I understand, then I'm sure James is also very well informed on this story. But from what I'm told, he's close to 100 million euros net salary per season for two years. So this is the idea. It also includes some benefits uh, for uh, his uh, daily life in, uh, in Saudi. So they already discussed many points. And so Karim Benzema knows that Alitiad did their best and he's very tempted. Now it's on Karim Benzema. It's on Karim Benzema, his family, his, his camp, all the people close to him to make a final decision to communicate to Real Madrid. The bid was there since last Friday. So right before the game between Sevilla and Real Madrid, Karim Benzema was informed of the proposal. And then on Monday, he spoke to Real Madrid, to the president, Florent 
Florentino Perez. He has an excellent relationship with Florentino Perez and told him about this possibility. He asked for some days to make a decision. Now I think it's a matter of hours. If it's not today, it could be tomorrow, but very soon Karim Benzema will communicate his decision. The feeling uh, of those close to Benzema is that he's really, really tempted by this possibility. And so let's wait. But Karim Benzema is now close to Alitiad waiting on his final decision with Real Madrid still trying to convince him because another crucial point is that Real Madrid were not planning for that. They were 100% yeah. convinced to count on Karim Benzema for next season. So they are really surprised with the situation and they're trying to change his mind. Let's see in the coming hours. Yeah, just to add on that, because um, obviously we had the news last month, didn't we, of, of Al Etihad's interest on, on CBS Sports. I'm quite surprised that Madrid were were taken by surprise by it, uh, for want of a better term, because, you know, this has been in the ether. Um, Fab will tell you the same thing for, for a very long time. And there's a real commitment and drive from the Saudi, I think we should be very clear, it's the Saudi Pro League rather than, yeah. uh, and PIF and the Saudi government, rather, rather even than like, Al Itihad, and, and this is one of the sort of complicating factors on this. It's only become kind of clear in the last few days that it would actually be Al Itihad where he would land. So that's maybe why this seems to have accelerated so quickly. I mean, the, the way this works is is PIF, the Saudi Ministry of Sport. Um, they really lead the negotiations. And then the kind of club is is very much the last thing. And I know we'll come up to talk about Messi here, but the option was there for him to go to Al Itihad. The option was there for him to go to, to Al Nasser and play with Ronaldo. But ultimately, yeah. it, it would appear that in that case, if he chooses to go to Saudi Arabia, it will be with Al Hilal. Um, one thing I think our listeners will be kind of skeptical over is that is this going to last? Is this is this going to be another China, another Russia where it lasts two or three years? You know, my sources in Saudi Arabia would only say this, but they really think this is the beginning of something. And that, yes, they're going for the veterans that want the paycheck because. They're the people you can get. You can't get the Erling Haaland's, the Kylian Mbappe's yet. But Cristiano Ronaldo going to Al Nasser has really kind of served as the the first step, the, the jumping off point. And I think the fact that Ronaldo was willing to make that move has made people like Benzema, Modric, Kante, Alexis Sanchez. These people are now suddenly looking at, at the Saudi league with more interest. All right, a couple more questions uh, before we do move on from this one. Uh, Fab, I'll come to you on this one. You know, there's a great question that came in the chat right now asking about financial fair play when it comes to Saudi Arabia, um, whether they have to live by any rules or regulations that FIFA have regarding <laughs> finances. <not> sure. <laughs> and anytime James Bench says my sources in Saudi Arabia, I also get a little bit scared as well. Um, but I'm fine. I'm, I'm safe. <laughs> On top of what James just mentioned there about big names, maybe players coming to the end of their career, are you hearing maybe offers to other players that are out there? Big yeah. names. Obviously, he just mentioned Alexis Sanchez as well, but are you hearing anybody else? Yeah, for sure. I think what James mentioned is the is the reality. They're trying to tempt many players. And then uh, let's remind that Karim Benzema is Ballon d'Or. Eh? So they're not signing a normal player or a Finnish player. He's the Ballon d'Or. So they're trying to do something really special. And the idea is to continue because for sure Sergio Busquets could be the next one. There is an advanced negotiation also for Sergio Busquets to join uh, Saudi. Jordi Alba has been approached. He's asking for some time with his family to decide. But Jordi Alba could be another player to, to watch on this possibility for, uh, for Saudi. 
And then there could be others because on Golo Kante, for example, the conversation between Kante and Chelsea has been really strange. This is probably another topic. Yeah. It's more Chelsea than Saudi, but it was a very strange conversation in October, November that was really far. So the expectation was to part ways at the end of the season. Then what happened in January, in February is that they were getting closer to extending the contract also because Kante wanted to stay in London to continue at Chelsea. So the agreement was really close end of February. And then it changed again after new injury. I think now Chelsea feel that they have to speak again to Golo Kante, maybe change the terms of the negotiation. And so we're back to 50-50 situation around N'Golo Kante contract extension. And, there is, and this is why uh, Saudi clubs are now thinking of N'Golo Kante as a possibility on a free transfer. So there are many names around, but I would mention Busquets, Jordi Alba, Kante as the, the big ones now to, to keep an eye on. Because for Luka Modric, it's true that they're trying to tempt him. But I'm also told that Luka Modric has only one option. Real Madrid, he wants to stay there. He will sign a new deal very soon. So Modric is 100% convinced about staying at Real Madrid. Just to well, dive everybody, in, say, go ahead, Jim. Kante would probably be to to Al Nasser, which would I think be the sort of start of the first Saudi super team, really, with with him alongside um, him alongside Ronaldo, and they've they've been pushing really hard to get Kante through the door. Um, I wonder. I mean, Fab, I do, I'm sure we'll come to talk about Chelsea, but it's really interesting with Kovacic now talking to Man City, Mount bound it seems for Man United. I mean, Chelsea could lose their entire midfield. Then this will happen, I think. This will happen because um, this is Chelsea's intention. I think this is a very clear plan. They want to refresh the midfield. They want to change many things in the midfield. And so they, this is why they're negotiating for Manuel Ugarte from Sporting. This is why they still have Moises Caicedo on their list. And I think they will try in the next days to attack the situation. So Chelsea are very serious on this uh, midfield rebuild because um, Kovacic, Manchester City is really close. The agreement on personal terms is, I would say, imminent. And so then we'll, let's see the negotiation Chelsea-City, but looks like a very uh, very likely deal. And and also the situation for uh, Mason Mount. We know Manchester United are trying to negotiate. In that case, the problem is the price tag because Chelsea are still asking for £80 million for, uh, for Mason Mount. For a player who is out of contract next summer, it looks really <laughs> unlikely to complete the deal for that Money, so let's see how the negotiation will continue. But they will change a lot uh, because then Golo Kante has good chances at this point to, to leave on a free. And, and I expect Chelsea to, to refresh that, uh, that midfield. I will keep an eye also on the future of some young players because Andre Santos will return to the club. For uh, Carney, they also had some possibilities on loan, but now they're telling him, let's wait a bit before we let you go. So I think that we'll see, we will see something really new and fresh at Chelsea in the midfield. Yeah, the crazy thing about Chelsea is a great point you make up there, James. Um, that Chelsea remind me of Juventus back in the day, uh, Fabrizio. Juventus used to have like 50 players, 60 players <laughs> to their books. They'd send tons of players out on loan and it actually worked in their favor many a times when you get into trouble, you can actually bring those players back from loan and still put out a competitive team. Before we do move on, we've got a great question, Fabrizio, for you, James. Feel free to answer this one as well. Um, will Real Madrid go for a top striker if Benzema leaves? Who could be a replacement? I mean, Surely right now, Real Madrid are in panic mode. They must be thinking, if Benzema leaves, what do we do? I mean, this is crazy, this situation for Real Madrid. Also because it's not only Benzema. Eh? Of course, let's see what he will decide in the next hours. But Marco Asensio is leaving on a free. Mariano Diaz, okay, was not a key player, but uh, was one of the players, was the backup option for Benzema. And he's also leaving the club on a free. So they basically only have Vinicius, Rodrigo, and of course, Eden Hazard, who is almost never playing. So they have to completely change their strategy. From what I understand, the idea of Real Madrid was to go big on a striker in summer 2024. So we know about Kylian Mbappé, the rumors we always had around Erling Haaland, but Haaland is really 
really happy at Man City now, but it was for summer 24, not for this summer. So this is why they probably have to change their plans. They're considering many options. For example, I'm sure they had a conversation around the name of Roberto Firmino, who is available on a free, he's an experienced striker that they really like, and so it could be one of the options. But in case Benzema leaves, they have to make a decision if they want to make a statement signing this summer or wait for, uh, for next summer. So they will discuss that, waiting for, uh, for Karim Benzema to communicate his decision. All right. Thank you to everybody out there who's jumping in the chat already. Amy's jumping in the chat and saying she's lost all respect for Kareem Benzema with this decision, which is an interesting comment right there. I'm not sure if anyone can turn down that type of money, especially at this age in his career. But great work from both of you across the story. Please make sure you're following what's happening with Fabrizio across all of his social media platforms. And James and John on the CBSSports.com. Some of the articles, absolutely fabulous. They'll always be on top of it. So make sure you're following our best out there as much as possible. We have I've had no time to get to Messi in the first segment, but we're going to make sure we do it after the break. Stick around. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Uh, welcome back to House of Champions. It's Ian Joy with James Bench, Fabrizio Romano. James, let's take it away with Lionel Messi because uh, we're hearing news from Gaultier this morning and uh, with both of you here, it's a great discussion to be had. What's happening with Messi? Yeah, uh, in a way, this is just Christophe Galtier confirming what we all knew, that Lionel Messi is gone at the end of the season. I think this is going to be his final match at the Parc des Princes. Probably not the way that he or PSG envisaged him going out. Uh, another league and title. Uh, I'm fascinated, and I know Fab is extremely well connected around this story. I'm fascinated as to what he does next because we are starting to sort of see Barcelona almost acknowledging in private through their briefings that it's going to be really hard to make anything work that brings Messi back to uh, to the city. This talk of of letting him go to Inter Miami and then maybe loaning him for six months, 18 months, however long it is, you know, you can see the emotional pull. That seems super complicated. And set against that is just Al-Hilal, the Saudi Pro League, sat there going, here is a billion euros. Do you want to come and hang out for two years? Um, <laughs> so I'm fascinated to see what, what sort of Fab's view on this is. But it, I mean, we've always known it would be money or or romance or, or something like that. It seems like that Barcelona trail is going a bit cold, Fab. Yeah, my feeling remains that, from what I understand, speaking to some sources, I'm sure that Leo will wait a bit more. He wants to decide in the next days, so I, I'm sure that June will be the month. Messi doesn't want to be in the same situation he was two years ago when he arrived in Barcelona to sign the contract. He was in Barcelona headquarters, and then everything collapsed in the afternoon. So Messi doesn't want to be in that kind of situation again. This is not going to be, going to be July or August. Messi wants to decide now. Then he's going to wait for Barcelona a bit more because Barcelona are still 
trying and uh, fighting to find a way with, uh, with La Liga to make this official proposal to Messi because the complicated situation for Messi is that, yes, he's speaking to Xavi, he's speaking to Barcelona, he's tempted about this possibility, but he doesn't have any paper from Barca. He doesn't have any official proposal from Barca. He can't check contracts or something like that. So he's still waiting for that step and he's going to wait, I think, a few days more before deciding. As you mentioned, James, Halilal proposal is still there. It's a crazy proposal. It's the biggest proposal in the history of football. And so it's also normal, I think, for Lionel Messi to, to consider that bit. Inter Miami are there. They've always been there. But at the moment, it's not something done. And I think this uh, opportunity to send Leo Messi alone to Barcelona, from what I understand, this is not something concrete as of today. Then in this story, anything can happen. But as of today, it's not something advanced yet. So let's see how this conversation with Barca will go. But Barca are still in. It's not over yet. It's complicated, but it's not over yet. Fab, do you think Barcelona are really willing to do what it would probably take to get Messi on a fair wage, you know, that, that that reflects his talent. Because we see them talking about acquiring Jao Cancelo, that, you know, Xavi wants strengthening across the pitch, doesn't it? Is it possible to do that? And like you say, like, are Barcelona really going to force this issue? Because, you know, you've said it there. They haven't put an offer down to sign Messi. Yeah, they can't. They can't in this moment is is because of financial fair play, but also on the other targets we, we mentioned, like Joao Cancelo, but also they need a new pivot. Xavi is saying in public many, many times, we need a replacement for uh, Sergio Busquets. And when you mention players like Zubimendi, 60 million euros, players like Kimmich is more than this, and at the moment he's not even on the market. So it's going to be an expensive market in the ideas of Barcelona. But my answer to your question is, yes, I'm sure they will try again for uh, for Messi. They will try to find a, a smart way to, to sign Leo Messi and then to float players. They need to sell players. Some players have to go. So, for example, Ansu Fati, he will be on the market. I'm sure that Barcelona will try to, to speak to him and find a solution probably in the Premier League and let Ansu Fati leave. Let's see what happens with Ferran Torres because all these players want to stay at Barcelona. A similar situation to Frankie de Jong one year ago. Barcelona were prepared to let him go, but the player wanted to stay. So now they have to convince the player to leave Barcelona. It's, it's not an easy process. This is why it's complicated. But Barca are trying. Barca are on it. And Xavi is 100% involved because he's going to speak directly to the players to tell them, OK, probably now it's time to, to go. You know, it's really interesting. Both of you obviously mentioned Inter Miami in this discussion right there. I watched their game yesterday against New York Red Bull. They not only need Messi, they need um, <laughs> Kante. Cristiano Ronaldo, they need a new coach, they need, uh, actually they need a new club. Um, it's just a bit of a mess right now and I just could never ever imagine Lionel Messi playing for this into Miami in Major League Soccer. It just, it's, it's not working right now what, what's happening down with Beckham's team. Um, so I can't imagine that Major League Soccer in particular is very happy with the money that's been offered from Saudi because a lot of their targets, I'm sure these big clubs are now looking elsewhere because there's no way that Major League Soccer can compete. They just simply can't. Although maybe, as James, you pointed out there these types of loan deals and and maybe bringing players to the end of their career for a couple of years in Miami might be the way to go forward and um, before we do get to some of the questions coming in because we got so many of them and we're running out of time with you I want to touch upon the Europa League final yesterday Roma obviously losing on uh, penalty kicks to Sevilla who have actually renamed the trophy now it's now called <laughs> league trophy called the Sevilla trophy that we're competing for. Uh, Jose Mourinho obviously very aggressive in his uh, press conference after the game. Um, clearly proud of his team. Not happy with the referee. Saw the videos of him in the car park trying to get at the referee <laughs> which was awesome. But it also tells me that some of his comments yesterday in the press conference that we might not see Jose Mourinho at Roma next year. 
Yeah, he wants to speak to the owners. He's not happy with the situation, first of all, because the Fredkin family, owners of Roma, uh, they don't release any interview. They don't speak in public. And I think that was the message of Jose Mourinho. He said, I'm tired. I can't continue to be the manager and then the head of communication and then to go and speak to the press when we have some problems, when we want to protect the club. He's doing everything and he doesn't want to, to do that. He wants to be the Roma manager, of course, an important person into the club, but not the only one. So this is the message to the owners. Mourinho will speak to Roma owners very soon. I think this will happen in the next two, three days. They will start conversations over next year. But it's also important to understand what happens on the transfer market because uh, look at the situation, for example, last January. Uh, they lost Nicolo Zaniolo. Uh, he joined the Galatasaray and they signed Solbakken, who is a good player, but not experienced for that kind of, of level. Uh, same happened with centre-backs. Mourinho always wanted a new centre-back. He's playing with three centre-backs and he has four into the team. So... Is really complicated for him to continue like this. And this is why Mourinho would send a clear message. Or you go with our ambition, signing new players and uh, thinking of a new person into the club who can help me in terms of communication, all this kind of stuff. Otherwise, Mourinho would be prepared to, to leave Roma. Let's see what happens because he mentioned that he's not speaking to any other club. We have many rumors about Paris Saint-Germain and the connection between Paris Saint-Germain director Luis Campos and Mourinho is very strong. They are big friends since long time. But at the moment, still no advanced negotiation. We have to wait on this conversation with Roma and see what happens for uh, Mourinho, who had, in any case, a very good season, I think, at Roma because it was really difficult with that squad, with that team, to be in the Europa League final. All right, let's get to some questions before I let you go, Fabrizio. Salas jumping in and saying, what is the striker situation with Manchester United? We also had a similar question coming in, and obviously we saw some news today as well about Rasmus Hoyland uh, to Manchester United. That's also coming in from Mazid. He's asking Rasmus Hoyland to Manchester United if Daniel Levy doesn't want to sell Harry Kane. What about Rasmus Hoyland in particular? What a fabulous young player he is. Uh, any truth to the rumor there? Yeah, they really like the player and the player really likes Manchester United because he's always been a Manchester United fan. So there is a connection, I would say, between United and Hoyland. But at the moment, I think the big issue is going to be the price tag because Atalanta will not negotiate for less than 60, 65 million euros for a player who's been very good this season. But honestly, he was not even a starter in the last two, three months. Yeah. It's crazy, in my personal opinion, because if you start players like Duvan Zapata, Muriel, who did very well at Atlanta for many years, but then you have a talent like Rasmus Oilun and you're not playing him, you are probably crazy, but this is the reality. And um, and so for Atalanta, it's not going to be easy to, to handle with this kind of, of big clubs. But at the moment, it's not something advanced. It's one of the names they have in the list. But I think for Man United, the priority is still Hurricane. They will still try to get Hurricane. It's not going to be easy at all because Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy will will try to keep the player at the club. So this will be something slow, I think. The new striker will not join this week or next week. May United will wait for that domain. James, you want to add there? <laughs> well, just especially because um, at the moment, we do still have to keep saying this. Like, no one knows who's going to be owning Man United in yeah. two weeks, two months' time. And uh, I would not expect the Glazers to, at least until there's clarity, to commit the... 100 million odd or whatever it would be 80 million that it would cost to get Harry Kane at least until they know whether they've got the club for the long term or not yeah last question here from um, ads underscore M7 he's asking is Jude Bellingham done because Jude Bellingham we're here once again it's getting very closer a lot more talks I'm watching your social media feed waiting for news on Jude Bellingham please it's not done yet, but will be done. This is the expectation. It's just a matter of time and final details. The final details are about the structure of the add-ons. Real Madrid will pay 100 million euros guaranteed and 20, 25 million euros in add-ons. So they are discussing how to activate the add-ons. Easy add-ons, complicated add-ons, ballon d'or, bonuses, so these kind of things. But the discussion is very advanced. I think next week could be the right moment to, to complete the deal and then to sign the documents. 
We have so many, and I have to ask this one because there's 17 different people asking the same question that I asked you last week. Manuel Agarte news, please. And we have so many people asking the same one. Baba's asking about it. We have been asking about it every single two minutes. So for CFC and for Baba, any news on Ugarte? Yeah, the conversation is still ongoing. Eh? Chelsea are trying to find a solution with Sporting. He has at least close 60 million euros, but what Chelsea are trying to do, and the same as PSG, because PSG are still in the race, is to pay the release clause in different ways. So not in one solution, but maybe in four, five years, including maybe a player into the deal on loan. So the discussion is ongoing. Chelsea are speaking to Sporting. Also today, there were new contacts between Chelsea and Sporting, and also to the player, because you have to reach an agreement with the player. And PSG are still trying, so it's still an open situation. It's not something completed yet but Chelsea are there Chelsea are fighting for Ugarte and let me say again that Caicedo remains a name they have in the list so it's not only Ugarte it's also Caicedo okay now this is the last 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 question (laughs) because I know you do have to go I've been watching all of the news I see all the big names I see everything but is there one in particular that you're watching very closely right now that we have not heard about yet in the transfer rumor mill is there any one player that no one's talking about that maybe we should know about and keep watching Arda Guller from Fenerbahce, yes. this talented midfielder. Remember this name because I see many rumors every day. One day is Arsenal, one day is Dortmund, one day is PSG. We have many rumors because this boy is fantastic. And it's true that the race is very open. There are some, more than 10 clubs interested in this player. Nothing is decided yet. I think it will take some time, so nothing is imminent. But remember this name because this Turkish boy is very talented. All the top clubs around Europe want him. And so I think now it's still quiet in terms of negotiations so it's still conversations behind the scenes but soon it will become a great race for a top top talent Arda Guller love to hear it in the words of the great William Wallace freedom <laughs> you are now free to leave for Bito Romano we appreciate thank everything you. you do thank you for the great work across the board we continue to watch you make sure everybody out there goes and follows for Brito across his thank social you. media platforms and uh, of course on YouTube as well where he's incredibly active uh, thank you very much for Bito we appreciate you so much Thank you. Thank you, guys. And see you soon here on Oslo Champions. Ciao. All right. Stick around, everybody. More to come. We'll discuss the FA Cup final next when we return. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back to House of Champions. Dean Joy alongside my co-host James Bench. We're waiting for Jonathan Johnson. Hopefully he can arrive in time before we finish the show. Uh, James, before we do get into the FA Cup final preview here, anything that Fabrizio said caught your attention? Anything you want to add about the transfer rumor mill? Because there's a lot happening right now. Uh, it's quite funny, like looking back at um, when, when Fab mentioned Arda Goulet, I just sort of thought, God, I've heard that name a lot. Look back in my sort of DMs and messages, and I mean, I've got guys from Turkey raving about him from two or three years back. I mean, this guy's a real talent. I think they said he was the sort of next 
Mesut Ozil. So maybe for that reason, I would say Arsenal shouldn't go and sign him. But um, Gulez a proper, proper talent. I've been watching the Under-20 World Cup. I don't know if you've watched any of it recently, and it's no. fabulous to watch. But the, the, you know, sometimes you pick a star every now and again, and you get lucky. And the U.S. national team are actually performing pretty well. They're into the quarterfinals right now, and they have a really good chance. I just watched uh, Brazil get knocked out. Defensively, uh, they look they Argentina, look sorry, get knocked out. Say again, James. Defensively, they look amazing. I haven't conceded a goal yet, which is quite incredible. They have Gaga Salinino, obviously, in goal. And a lot of people out there know his name. But defensively, very, very solid. And I would say this, that, you know, they have been a bit fortunate. First game, they scored a late, late goal to win that game against Ecuador. And then they obviously get themselves through against New Zealand. The path looks a bit easier. Um, but looking forward to seeing what happens. And I thought this is going to be very interesting because they're going to meet uh, Brazil in the semi-final, And then it would have been, what, Argentina on the other side, maybe potentially making it to the final. But Argentina got beaten by Nigeria yesterday, which was quite incredible. I didn't see the result of Italy against England, which I'm I quite bet you did, about. and you're just doing this to troll me, didn't you? <laughs> didn't see it. What was the score? Did anybody know the score? Italy James might, have, the score? Uh, might have won that one. <laughs> I mean, this is massive, though. For I mean, say that you know, people think under 20 World Cup, this won't matter very much. But if you go and look at, say, the England squad that won the under 20 World, I want to say it was 2019. There are, you know, that has uh, Sancho, Foden. You know, there's a, a clutch of players there that are mainstays of the England squad already. So when you're looking at 2026, I think you need to be talking about Slanina and this defence and saying, especially when you look at, you know, um, Berhalter was using someone like Tim Ream in Qatar, who we don't think will make it. This tournament experience, and if they do end up playing Brazil in a semi-final, it's massive. That's more. That's going to be more high level experience, to be frank, than anyone in the U.S. senior squad or many in the U.S. senior squad have had. Tournament football is tournament football. World Cups are World Cups of varying degrees of scale, and this could be massive for the U.S. if they can get to the semis or even the final or even win it. Yeah, I've even put it out there. And obviously, you always get a bit scary putting out there that the US could actually win this one. And, you know, listen, they could face Uruguay and um, I think it's the Gambia. I can't remember who it is they're playing. They could play in the, the quarterfinal. Um, but it is absolutely incredible to see these players not concede a goal. So defensively, very, very solid. I spoke to Brandon Craig on our CBS show uh, box to box last week. He is the central defender. Hasn't played many minutes for Philadelphia Union, but playing pretty much every minute for the national team here at this Under-20 World Cup. And um, it's a great deal of unity, great chemistry inside that group there. So really, really appreciate watching them play. And up front, this is the crazy situation where you have your best players not being released. And I'm sure you obviously know this yeah. as well with what's happening. The best players just don't get released from their clubs. Kevin Paredes was kept behind by Wolfsburg. And then Puchkas, who plays uh, in Hajduk Split, he wouldn't get released either. But now their seasons are over. They've just joined the squad as well. So not bad players to add to your list as well, which is quite incredible. So uh, it's time. It's time not only to discuss the FA Cup final, but it's also time to welcome in a good friend of ours. His name is Jonathan Johnson to the show. JJ, how are you doing, buddy? Hey there, guys. Doing well, thanks. Uh, yeah, sorry for not being on from the start with you, but, you know, got a got a wedding coming up this summer, so uh, had to attend <laughs> some uh, very important meetings outside of the usual uh, transfer uh, chit-chat. But, yeah, big news I see in my absence. 
Yeah, big news in your absence, talking about a lot of things. Obviously, Fabrizio was jumping in as well. But uh, before we do get into the FA Cup final, while you're here, we might as well discuss what's happening with PSG and Gaultier mentioning Messi's name in his uh, press conference today. What's your point here? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear Galtier bring it out now. I'm not sure whether the club would have been over the moon with him uh, dropping that little uh, bombshell during the press conference. But to be honest, like if you took just the first half of his answer, it could have easily applied to his future uh, as well as Messi's. So, you know, I do think that we're going to start to see things move uh, for PSG in the next couple of days. Uh, I don't think Messi's departure will be the last one, uh, you know, confirmed by PSG. I think Galtier's will probably follow quite swiftly uh you know especially if sort of recent reports are to be believed that certain candidates have now started to be uh vetted uh, a little bit so i mean to be honest it, it doesn't surprise me i don't think it surprises anyone we've seen it coming we've known it's it's going to be happening for a while uh it was just a little bit of a, a funny kind of last 24 to 48 hours you have psg dropping their new home kit for the season coming out and of course messi is there promoting it so you know maybe it's maybe it's going to be a one and out for him but uh it's nice no, uh, honestly it's i mean i think this season can't end quickly enough for psg and i think you know this situation again just sort of underlines that everyone is, uh, you know, in a rush now to, to sort of draw a line under it, move on, uh, you know, and I think we'll probably be discussing Galtier's uh, exit being officialized in the, in the coming days too. And I do wonder, I know that Kylian Mbappe has said he is staying, but given what we were talking about, about Benzema's departure, I know this is all very unplanned, but we all equally, we know deep down that, that Real Madrid have got that space in their hearts, probably that space in their first team that's just sort of kept to one side, didn't it? I mean, I remember that, you know, when Florentino Perez was basically talking about there's money left aside for Mbappe. I know that their their plans are not based around Mbappe this summer and that Mbappe is saying he's staying, but their plans also weren't based around Karim Benzema going to Saudi Arabia, which even in the course of this pod, you know, I'm hearing more and more, it sounds like it's going to happen. I just think you never know with Mbappe. It's going to happen eventually. And um, you do wonder how PSG might react. If, if Well, I, I suspect JJ will tell us as well, PSG would react pretty furiously if Real Madrid put money on the table for Mbappe. But, but one wonders if they might be tempted to scope that out, given Benzema's likely departure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my honest opinion about it is that if the offer was put on the table to PSG, they'd have to consider it in a different way to before. You know, let's not forget now that things have changed a lot at PSG since they persuaded Mbappe to extend uh, just over a year ago. You know, the World Cup has passed, which is obviously a big, uh, you know, milestone in Qatar's project with PSG. Uh, you know, and there's no guarantee that Mbappe will be convinced to, to sort of action that option that he has in the in the contract. Now, whether, you know, Mbappe wants to to try and move like that potential ability to 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 to, to go to Madrid forward. Uh, you know, is is completely another thing. I don't think PSG can completely dismiss the possibility of looking to do business. I mean, there's a lot of different opportunities because, you know, we're sort of in the same boat as well, talking about Vinicius Jr., how we don't expect him to leave Real Madrid, yet we know that there's a situation that's become extremely uncomfortable for him there. I do think that there is potentially a scenario you know, that kind of could see the two swap. Uh, it would make a lot of sense to me. I think it would be a hard sell to Vinicius at this moment in time. But to me, that seems the most logical way for the two clubs to potentially actually do business uh, as early as this summer. 
Equally, um, I've always said that the most logical outpoint for Mbappe and his time with PSG and his time in France uh, overall is 2024 when he gets to sign off potentially with Olympic gold with the French national team before going and pursuing his career elsewhere. But, uh, you know, like James said, you know, the assumption was that, that Benzema would be at Real Madrid for at least another year or two. Now that we know that he's very probably not going to be, it impacts a lot of things for Real Madrid. It impacts as well, you'd imagine, the the expected arrival of Jude Bellingham because suddenly that's a big money transfer that Real might have to put on the back burner in order to try and find the money for Mbappe. Yeah, exactly. Because you know this is the kind of thing that uh, you know will probably put uh, you know Real Madrid in uh, you know in a, in a hot flush in the last couple of hours because they're on the verge of pulling off a deal for arguably the most coveted midfielder in the world game at this moment in time, or at least the most coveted one that they don't already own. Uh, And and then suddenly you've got this tantalizing opportunity and this space in the squad to to potentially bring in your long-term target. So, you know, it is, it's a massive conundrum for for Real Madrid. Uh, And, uh, you know, to me, I do see there being a couple of logical ways to do it. One as early as this summer, whether or not that's actually sort of how it transpires, like I said, I think it would be a very, tough sell PSG to uh, to Vinicius at this moment in time but you know that situation do we see it getting better in La Liga I know Real Madrid have been very supportive of him from the first minute as they should be but uh, you know is his maybe long-term future outside of Spain it's a possibility and we all assume that Mbappe will play one day for Real Madrid so yeah it's just a bit of food for thought I guess anything to add there James no, I want to talk about the FA Cup final Okay, before we get there, though, I got to get to some of these comments because there's some absolute belters that are coming in here. Uh, Sally Whiskey, jumped, Scally Whiskey jumping in saying, brah, Ian, you got that professional setup. Fab seems to be jealous. He also went on to say that I know James is jealous. And then he says, Ian thinking, damn, this light to make my skin look good. My skin looks good. <laughs> it looks good anyway. Don't worry about the lighting. But this is where it gets interesting here. Um JJ, there's a lot of positives coming in your direction. Ed saying fashionably late, JJ, with a little smiley emoji right there. And then Vic jumping in and saying Tom Ford suits loading, JJ. So uh, <laughs> Ed, never seen you in a collared shirt. And I thought, my God, has JJ been to an interview or something like that? Like, what's going on with a collared shirt, man? Well, I'd like to think that in terms of my marriage, I passed the interview a long time ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to sign my life away, so that's probably why I dressed it up a little bit. But uh, no, it's uh, honestly, I mean, this, this is how I roll. I mean, yeah, you guys get the beard, as as Nigel likes to say, the dungeon look that I have about me sometimes. But uh, this is basically just how, how I'm chilling at home the rest of the time when I'm not on with you guys. <laughs> It looks fantastic, by the way. You caught me by surprise wearing a shirt as well. Just going to add that out there. All right, let's turn our attention. We're about five minutes before wrapping things up here to the FA Cup. James, obviously, it's a Manchester derby. Uh, Really looking forward to this game from a Manchester United point of view. Uh, Certainly the positive press conferences, everyone saying the right things. Uh, Rashford picking up awards domestically and in-house at Manchester United, saying the right things that they want to finish off this season in style. The only problem is they're playing Manchester City. How's your overall outlook of this final well i mean we do have to remember that the last time these two teams played i mean i wasn't here but i think if i had been here i would have said something like what i normally say about manchester city and i'm usually very right on in spite of some of our complainants on twitter and in the comments that man city are the much better team and will win that's what i would have said but they didn't um 
I don't know how much we can learn, though, from that 2-1 win for United in January. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the teams now. You've got Jao Cancelo playing at left-back. Ake and Akanji both still key parts of, uh, of Guardiola's plans. But that move to the, the, the almost the four centre-backs, even if Carl Walker plays, he's basically a centre-back, has really strengthened City, specifically, I think, for teams against United that really embrace wing play, counter-attacking. I went back and watched, I think there was about eight, nine shots that United had. So many of them came from these rapid transitions where Cancelo is miles forward. There's no one covering and, and Fernandez or Rashford or whoever it might be is able to just get in a 3v2, 3v3 situation. I can't see that happening. We also have to say, it sounds like Anthony will be fit, but no Anthony Martial. I don't know that many United fans will be devastated. But, you know, this United team's struggling a bit with injuries. Of course, you know, the likes of Martinez as well and Sabitza, there won't be game changers off the bench. By all accounts, City have a fully fit squad. Um, you know, the likes of Grealish and uh, Ruben Diaz, I think, didn't travel to Brentford. They were all been training this week. So this is sort of City at the peak of their powers. I don't need to say it anymore, do I? You all know what I think about City. <laughs> Of course. Abby, you're underestimating the fact that United have that historical motivation. They have this opportunity to stop City in their tracks to make sure that they don't equal uh, the achievements of the 1999, uh, the class of 99. Sorry. So I, you know, I do think that that's something that shouldn't necessarily be downplayed. Whether it's enough for United to to go and beat City, I have my doubts, serious doubts. But equally, uh, you know, I think we've seen Man United produce some unexpected performances at times over the course of the season, some unexpectedly good, some unexpectedly bad. Whether or not, you know, they produce one of those unexpectedly good days here against City, uh, you know, it would suggest that they have the motivation for it. But, you know, like James said, you know, this is almost a full strength City side, uh, you know, who will be eyeing this final as, you know, sort of the the, the dressed rehearsal really for the, for the Champions yeah. League final. I'm not a big fan of that term, but, you know, basically it is. It's sort of the warm up before the the big one. And they know that, you know, if they get this done, it's two out of three uh, on the board already. And then it's just into who stand be between them and that slice of history. Wasn't it similar to United when they did it back in 99? Maybe both of you can remind me. Was it Newcastle that they played in yep. the FA Cup final? Tuna. Yeah, and it was a crap game as well, wasn't it? It wasn't a great game and it was a lackluster performance and you thought, oh my God, they're going to get absolutely hammered in this Champions League final. And then crazy things happen. But football one is of them crazy. You have to grind. Always one of them. I think if you, you know, whether it's even in other leagues, there's one of those three that you just grind out playing yeah. ugly football. I have a feeling that's more likely to be the Inter game. And I think they'll, like, there'll be an emotional tiredness. I feel like City are going to go into this and say, statement game. I don't, yes. Who knows how many fans will make it down? Like we should just point out, this is going to be an absolutely chaotic final. Train strikes. Um, London is going to come to a bit of a standstill. There's a Beyonce concert at the other end of town, which is where I will be because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Um, it's going to be, and I do wonder like, to what extent this whole game will feel quite discombobulated and uh, huge kudos to any people that make it down from Manchester um, for this. But I think this is, a, in a way, I think that there might be a sort of a, a little bit of extra motivation beyond even the Champions League final to just put United back in their place. Listen, it's a great opportunity, obviously, for Manchester United to stop City from doing what JJ pointed out, to, to go on and complete that treble, to be the first team to do it from the UK, obviously, since 1999. Um, but what I would say as a United fan is that I just want to see United play well, put, play a good game. 
Um, it might be too too little for what Manchester City bring. But if you put out a good half and let's say you have an advantage in the game, you're leading in this game, the problem you've got with Manchester City is that they can rotate in so many different directions and in 20 minutes, they can put the game to bed. So my biggest problem is, can you get a full 90 minutes from Manchester United against this Manchester City? The answer is probably no. And what City do in their period of time in the game, whether it be 20, 30, 45, 90 minutes, how good they are in those periods of time and how many goals they score that's that's the problem I have. You have no idea. City could turn up and score four, five against United on their day. It's simply said. It's simply said. You can't, even as a United fan, and I, I, my father, he obviously grew up in Salford as a United fan as well. I can't get him to shut up talking about Manchester City. He watches every game. He just admires good football and he admires a genius like Pep Guardiola and the way he's manipulated. Obviously, um, getting the best of these players is something unique and special. But it's hard not to admire when City are at their best. I think we can all agree that, James. You obviously saw it firsthand as well in the Premier League this season. When City are at their best, it's freaking beautiful to watch. It is a joy. It's like an unanswerable question for the opponents because they'll beat you anywhere they need to. You know, this, this lad they've got up front is quite good. And suddenly they can play like Wimbledon style long ball football out of the eighties <laughs> to go with their gorgeous interplay of getting to the byline. Um, just one stat as well to mention, which and then this just reminds you of how peerless some of their achievements are. No team has won the FA Cup keeping clean sheets in every game since nineteen oh three, and they are on course to do that. City and um, wow. I fancy that they will. Because it's not just Haaland or De Bruyne. It's this phenomenal defence. And yes, I know they, they the, the the ties got slightly easier as they went on, but they did also knock out Chelsea before they were managed by Frank Lampard and Arsenal to get this far. Wow. I mean, I think... I, I think it's... I mean, okay, it, it is a bit of fun, but equally, surely... City would rather win the Champions League than the FA Cup just this once. I mean, I think if you really gave them and said, right, you can really only have one or the other, I'm Come sure on. that they would choose to finally end the, the Champions League drought. And I, I honestly... JJ, I, JJ, hold on. I'm going to stop you right now. Let me ask you this. Would Manchester City prefer to win the Champions League or the Premier League? I mean, you could have the same argument as well. I mean, especially this season when they've been run so close by Arsenal right up until the end. Uh, you know, you could maybe say that, you know, they, they they might have said, well, we'll take the hit in the Premier League. We'd love to beat United in a cup final and then win the Champions League. But they've already done the Premier League part. I mean, I can understand the, you know, the the, the rivalry aspect and getting motivated for that. And I'm sure that, it, you know, it will be massive motivation for them. Uh, I, I mean, I find it difficult to imagine sort of what it's like to see your most bitter rivals playing phenomenal football when Birmingham City haven't yeah. ever sort of risen to a level like that over Villa, although there were some very bleak years for Villa where Blues were, were slightly ha enjoying the upper hand uh, over us. But, I mean, f for me, I think City, f this is surely all going to be about the Champions League final. I'm not saying that they will sort of downplay, you know, potentially losing the FA Cup to United if that were to happen. But for me, I think that City's absolute priority is to win the Champions League to get that over the line. I definitely think that's true of the club, 100%. I wonder what fans feel because, obviously, yeah. as you kind of alluded to there, JJ, I mean, there's nothing worse than losing a major final to, to one of your biggest rivals. And as we know, I mean, it's that strange thing with UEFA where City fans despise UEFA and I don't think that's changed at all or will ever change um and yet you know if you hate 
you hate an organization like UEFA, there's probably something extra satisfying about going and winning their trophy. But I do think, I mean, City as a, as a whole club, it's it's been all about the Champions League for so long. I think Guardiola would even acknowledge that nowadays. The fans, though, I, I, yeah. think, I think they're a bit more 50-50. Let me ask you both this question. James, I'll go to you first on this one. Who has the better chance of beating Manchester City? Is it Manchester United in the FA Cup or is it Inter in the Champions League final? <laughs> that sounds like it's been sent by Mike LaHood. Yeah, and you, <laughs> and you know that there are... There are certain people out there. I believe there's a guy called the Calcio guy on Twitter who will absolutely rage at what I'm about to say, but it's definitely Manchester United who are better than Inter. As good a team as Inter Milan are, I think it's Manchester United. I think they're just a team that's more well-constructed with their counter-attacking football with players like Rashford to just stun um, to just stun City. So yeah, take that, Calcio guy. Did you? <laughs> Uh, I'd have to go for United. Um, I mean, I, I have tried to see a bit of logic in what Mike LaHood has, has been saying about Inter these past few weeks. I'm, I'm still struggling to do so. But I mean, it's a, you know, it's it's a cup final. Anything can happen sort of over those 90 minutes. We didn't think that England would lose the Euro final at home to Italy at Wembley, but they did. You know, so stranger things have happened. But if I had to pick one, just you know, on paper, United I think have the better chance of causing an upset, and they have the motivation as well. That for me counts because I'm not saying that being in a Champions League final is going to be less motivating for Inter than an FA Cup final against the old rivals for United. But I mean, it's literally there that you know it's their final play this season. Inter have already got silverware on the board unexpectedly in the Coppa Italia, so. You know, I think for me, it's got to be United. They have both the the squad and the motivation to do so. I have too many questions for you guys, but I'm going to get to some of the comments before I get your predictions right here. Um, <laughs> this is brilliant. Vic jumped in and said, Vic horse hat trick before I get started. And then Matt Osmond said, James is walking to the Beyonce concert. And Amy jumped in and said, at least Taylor Swift isn't there too. And then Ed jumped in and said, James is one of the backup dancers. <laughs> a lot of people asking for their money back then. All right, let's get to predictions of the FA Cup final. It's Man City against Manchester United. Uh, James, you go first, then JJ wrap us up here. Give me a score prediction and then scorers if you have any. Yeah, 2-0 to Man City. Uh, Erling Haaland to get the first early and then I think City will get the second on the break late on. Let's say Phil Foden, why not? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that late uh, City winner, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be two one because I think the worst thing that could happen for City is for this game to go beyond ninety minutes. Yeah, I'm with you there, JJ, as well. I actually think Manchester United get the first goal here, which would just put, you know, this cup final into maybe a next level of our attention because if United get the first goal, it'll make it an interesting game and maybe we get to see the best of City. But I still think City are too good, too strong. So I'm going for a 2-1 as well, but I'm going for Rashford to get that first goal. And I think City, obviously, you can take your pick of any of the bloody goal scorers here. I wouldn't mind seeing Gundogan actually score goals in both cup finals. I think there's a chance of that happening as well. Hey, listen, thanks to you, boys. Appreciate all the great work this week. And um, we've wrapped up one European Cup final. Didn't get any of your opinions after the fact of the cup final, but we do appreciate <laughs> you coming in anymore, do and chatting. No, we're done. I mean, uh, I think my fa- my favourite thing about that whole thing was that we were so busy in the, in, in the House of Champions whatsapp chat and i i was just staggered Crazy. that it was a final that actually started in one month and finished in another i, I think do you, know, do you know cbs uh, sports galazzo actually tweeted that uh 
JJ, they picked it up. I, th- I think they probably heard you. Uh, I think I mentioned your name yesterday on the show saying that it started th- this previous month and ended in this month. And I think they put that out there on the Galazzo, which was pretty cool as well. Hey, shout out to everybody who's listening to House of Champions. Uh, please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Thanks to so much to everybody who j- jumped in the comments. Sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. Uh, we just have so much to ask our Fabrizio when he does come on here and the boys obviously we love to talk football so that's why we've gone 50 minutes strong once again apologies for that that's what we do here at House of Champions boys I appreciate you have a great weekend we'll see everybody next week to everybody out there as well have a great weekend keep safe